Welcome to Down in the Den, the very best place for movies, music, video games, pro wrestling, pretty much anything pop culture, anything that comes to mind, anything I want to talk about, this is the best place, and this is episode one of Down in the Den. I'm your host, Sean Mars Marshall, and what a perfect time to debut this new podcast. That's right. It's 1231 2019. It's New Year's Eve. We're going to bring in the new year right. We're going to bring in this new decade with a bang and the gunshots are here outside. Uh, maybe literally with a bang. Uh, so without further ado, uh, further ado, further ad- ado, that is a hard word to say. Ado, ado, ado. Anyway, uh, today's episode is titled 20. 20- 10. This is going to be the first of a nine-part series. We're going through some of the coolest stuff from 2010 to 2019. And uh, this episode is entitled 2010. Um, and I'm going to talk about some of the coolest stuff from that year. Uh, favorite movie, favorite video game, maybe favorite song. I, eh, we're just going to wing it. But uh, without further ado, let's go. I said it right that time. Uh, so 2010 was awesome year for uh, mind-bending flits. Uh, Inception came out that year, which was super trippy, you know. Have you a little uh, Devil's Lettuce and watch that super trippy. Uh, Black Swan, which got a lot of critical acclaim. Not one of my favorite, but certainly mind-bending and uh, uh, interesting. I know my wife is a huge fan of that movie. Um, Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis was in it, so those are good things. Not my cup of tea, but, you know, um, we had comic book movies. Actually, we had a, a lot of comic book movies that weren't MCU or DCEU, which, you know, you, you don't see that nowadays in 2019. It's pretty much all MCU or all DCEU or some type of form of DC like the Joker. But back then in 2010, you had movies like Scott Pilgrim uh, vs. World, uh, movies uh like uh, Kick-Ass, which was awesome, uh, that were comic book movies that were neither Marvel nor DC. Uh, so you had some some very cool movies to come out in 2010. And big shout-out to Chris Evans. He had a very cool part in uh, Scott Pilgrim uh, versus World. This is long before he became Captain America, and I believe slightly after uh, he was the Human Torch, and he had the uh, stones to take on another comic book role after those awful Fantastic Four movies, and uh, he killed it in that movie. So uh, shout out to Steve Rogers, Chris Evans, Captain America, uh, awesome move, awesome movie. Uh, but uh, all, Toy Story three, oh my God, how can I forget Toy Story three? You know that what I thought was. The, end of the trilogy, probably the best trilogy of all time, really, if you think about it. But uh, Toy Story 3 was, was super awesome. You know, Disney's always going to make their their billions every year, regardless of the year, regardless of the uh, decade. But the dopest flick of 2010 to me was easily Book of Eli. Now, hear me out. I know you're probably groaning right now with uh, booze and... Uh, It wasn't really critically acclaimed, this movie. I believe it was profitable. Uh, It made a decent bots office. Uh, But it wasn't a huge smash. Uh, But 
it is beyond me why this movie gets little so little love. But you take Denzel Washington, who is essentially playing Denzel Washington, but he's awesome at playing Denzel Washington. You throw in the setting of like a Mad Max post-apocalyptic world, sprinkle in some sprinkle in some cool ass Jason Bourne hand-to-hand combat. A very um, Mila Kunis, uh, and even though she sounds like Meg, even I mean she plays Meg, but she literally sounds like Meg from Family Guy the entire movie. Uh, but you know she's in there, and then the chameleon himself, Gary Oldman, who I think should play the chameleon in Spider Man, but that's neither here nor there. Gary Oldman is a chameleon; he can play anything. He never looks the same in any of his movies. He's uh, probably the most underrated actor in Hollywood, but Gary Oldman is the bad guy. And, uh, I mean, what more can you want? So Denzel, obviously is the title character, Eli, and he's this like wandering badass, uh, mad, mad character in this post-apocalyptic earth. And, uh, I mean, this movie is nine years old, but I, I believe the backstory, there was a war, uh, there was an explosion. Ozone is depleted to critical levels, and uh, the earth is pretty much scorched. Nothing really grows. There's droughts, and uh, it's pretty much every man for himself. You have like these crazy biker gangs that just beat, rob, and, and attack people. And and then there's Denzel, you know, just cool, just epic cool going through with his cool goggles and he pretty much has a couple of guns, a machete, a, a water canteen, and and a book, the MacGuffin, his, this item that he's carrying around on his back, which everybody is, you know, trying to go after him for. Oh, and I forgot, cannibals. Lots and lots of cannibals. Apparently, people shake if you eat too much human flesh, so if you see someone shaking, it might be a cannibal. Uh, but I mean, this movie is off. Awesome. Awesome. Denzel is trying to get this book to the West coast and he's just kicking ass, taking names. And on the other side, you have psycho commissioner Gordon just chasing after him, following him at every footstep. And he, he wants Denzel's package. Uh, that didn't come out right. He wants the package that Denzel is carrying. He wants the book and it is the key to the power uh, you know, he wants power. He wants to amass more power. And somehow, long story less long, boom, M. Night Shalaman, uh, I'm probably saying that name wrong, twists, the book is the Bible. And Gary Oldman is trying to get the Bible to manipulate people because he knows religion is the opiate of the people. You know, it's very Karl Marxist in some ways. And, and then, boom, double entendre, don't even ask me how, a double twist, Denzel, who's been kicking ass the whole time, is blind, that's right, when the ozone depleted, he was on the battlefield, I believe, and it blinded him, so he's been blind for the last 30 years, but it doesn't matter, Shaolin Monk style, just whooping everyone, and when you go back, it's very much uh, like Sixth Sense. The first time you see Sixth Sense, it blows your mind. You have this epic twist. And then you go back and you're like, oh, yeah, I can see here. He was never talking to uh, anyone. And, and the same thing, you see the twist. Oh, yeah, 
he was blind the whole time. And then, wait, triple entendre. Don't even ask me how. You find out that not only is the book the Bible, not only is Denzel blind, but on top of that, uh, which just really blows my mind, the Bible is in Braille. So they've been, you know, fighting for this Bible the whole time. Couldn't even read it. Couldn't even read it. And of course, like most movies, Denzel dies at the end somehow. But uh, yeah, it it was awesome. My my favorite movie, top 10, uh, uh, favorite movie of 2010 by a long shot, Book of Eli. If you agree with me, great. If you don't, tell me what you like. This is just my thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, yeah, Book of Eli. Best movie of 2010. Uh, now, 2010, the good old Xbox 360 and PS3 days and Nintendo Wii days, there were some very, very cool video games, some classics, Civilization V, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops, NBA 2K11 with the GOAT Michael Jordan on the cover. Oh, my God, that was so awesome to actually have a digital recreation of Michael Michael Jordan in the game. Now, uh, for the younger generation, they've been playing Michael Jordan in the 2K games for, uh, you know, the last 18 years, 17 years, something like that. But my generation, the 80s babies who had uh, NBA Live and, and, and regular 2K, uh, Jordan wasn't in, in the games. You either had to make them or put a code. I remember NBA in the, in the zone. They had like an Asian guy with his stats that was like number 99. And, and it was just awful. Like back then, I don't know if it was a deal with the Players Union or whatever, but certain players, Jordan, Barkley, uh, Shaq for a year or two, just weren't in the game. Their rights weren't uh, weren't there. So if you were a 90s Bulls fan, which I wasn't, I've always been a Lakers fan, but, you know, who doesn't like Michael Jordan? He's the GOAT, um, arguably the GOAT. But uh, if you, you know, wanted to play Michael Jordan, you had to make him. So 2K11, you get all of the great mechanics of the uh, 2K games with a really authentic, Michael Jordan, and it was awesome. They had some of the uh, good teams back there. But I I digress. 2K11 was great. But uh, to me, the game that had me glued to my controller for maybe 100 hours or more, uh, and that's just through one play. I've I've probably replayed this game 10 times uh, to get all the different endings and, and all the different variables. But Mass Effect 2, my God, as a sci-fi nerd, this was Star Wars, interactive Star Wars. Uh, In my opinion, besides Knights of the Old Republic, this was one of the most epic cinematic role-playing games that I've ever played. And and what was so wild to me... uh, the choices you made in Mass Effect 1 carried over to Mass Effect 2 and really shaped that universe. To me, that was awesome. I grew up playing, reading uh, 
uh, choose your own adventure books. And this was like a digital choose your own adventure book. It was so awesome. And uh, you really saw the choices that you made in game one, not knowing how they're going to play out. You really got to see them play out in this game. But beyond the awesome universe building and customization, I used to have this badass uh, Commander Shepard, bald head, black dude, just ready to brawl, uh, kind of a smart ass when he, uh, he used the dialogue wheel. But uh, my favorite part was just your crew. Uh, you recruit this crew. You also had a few characters from the first game that carried over. But your crew, you had an opportunity to really talk to them. And you had hours of hours of interactive dialogue. And you can go and do missions for them. And the missions that you did, if you were successful, it would bring that member of your crew closer to your side. And, I mean, there were several several characters that you could even uh, build a romantic relationship, male or female. So it was really uh, ahead of its time. Uh, for 2010, you had Miranda, who was way too hot for a video game character. Uh, but she was in there. She was really cool. She was... Uh, kind of like the uptight, will they, won't they, and I, I, I definitely will they. I, I definitely, my uh, Commander Shepard was a lover, uh, by all means, a lover and a fighter. Uh, you had Garrus from the first game, he returns. You had Jack, who had these uh, awesome psionic uh, powers, and, and j a few other returning characters, and, and you really can just take the time and get to know each and every one. I, I go back and I, I would play this game to this day. And it's definitely the Empire Strikes Back of that particular series. Uh, part 3 is hard to get a trilogy right uh, in any uh, format, be it video games or movies or whatever it may be. Trilogies are definitely hard. The third game definitely had a weird ending and, and left uh, a lot to be... Uh, a lot to be had or a lot to be wished but but part two flawless uh really really love the game upgraded mechanics upgraded the graphics and uh i mean the story once again the beats of the story were just so awesome so definitely definitely recommend that yes it's a nine going on 10 year old game yes it holds up yes it's awesome so uh check it out you know go to uh uh, go to like an old game shop, buy it, rent it, whatever you need to do, but get your hands on a copy of Mass Effect 2. If you've not played it, you're doing yourself a disservice. This is art. If you have played it and it's been some time, pick it up and play it again. It actually still holds up today, and I would love for them to do a, you know, the first three. Now, we're not going to talk about Andromeda. We don't we don't uh, refer to that game, but I would love for them to do the first three over again on, uh, you know, PS4 or Xbox One or uh, the new systems when they come out. But those three games were uh, great. Uh, but Mass Effect 2, by far the best in the series and by far my favorite game of 2010. Now, uh, TV, 2010. Looking back now in 2019, what a year. What a year on in television history. Maybe we'll go down uh, as one of the most important years 
in television history. You had The Walking Dead that debuted in 2010. And what a phenomenon that show was. Uh, quality has dropped quite a bit. Uh, I'll be the first to admit, I probably honestly haven't consistently watched Walking Dead in three or, or four seasons. Whenever they killed Glenn uh, um, and, and they introduced Negan, I kind of fell off of that show. But, I mean, at the time, wow. I mean, you hadn't seen anything really like that. So you had The Walking Dead to debut in 2010. You had awesome animated shows on the animated front. Uh, Young Justice. Wow. Wow. Why can't the DCEU just make live versions of their animated show? And that, that's probably going to be another topic. So we'll bring that back up. The DCU animated universe is amazing. DCEU live action? Eh, not so much. But Young Justice, man, amazing. They made an epic show with the sidekicks. The sidekicks. The Robin, the uh, Aqualad, um, Red Arrow, the sidekicks. And it was just as good, if not better, than Justice League or Batman the Animated Series or Superman the Animated Series any shows in that universe it was just just super awesome um what other shows that we have ah, the show that dominated the decade probably the biggest show of uh the 2010s game of thrones debuted and who knew back then how epic that show would become i remember when it first came out it started very slow and i watched the first episode and put it down it's like, what's going on? Is this some type of weird uh, Lord of the Rings, but without the magic? I wasn't really sure what was going on. And I ended up going back to it after all the episodes had debuted, watched them over again, and pretty much binge watched them in a night or two. And from there on, I was the biggest Game of Thrones fan. What an amazing, amazing show. Uh, we're not going to talk about the ending. Uh, I'm sure there's been a billion podcasts and and lots of uh, stuff on social media and lots of reviews. Yes, the ending sucked. Um, it was really rushed. I really feel once they got away from the books and got ahead of the books, the quality of the show start, started to dip. And then in the last season and a half, it really probably just kind of went down the uh, toilet. And then the finale was just, just awful, not to mention, I think they spent some crazy amount of money, like $20 million an episode, something like that, to have a huge battle scene that was completely pitch black. I don't have the best eyesight as is, but literally, I watched that show and in that particular episode the battle I forgot the name of the battle but it, it was completely black and I have a 4k top of the line television and I'm adjusting the contrast thinking my TV is going out and it's just they decided to not like not like the episode I, I don't know the purpose I don't know if it was a budget thing let's hide it I don't know but uh yeah at that, at the point in 2010 when uh, Game of Thrones debuted, 
and and really up into the red wedding that show was really at its zenith and and it was amazing and you know some of these shows came and went and came back like young justice that was canceled and then found a second life on dc universe a few years later uh some of the shows are still on to this day they're shells of their glory days shells of their former self i'm talking to you walking dead and you know some went out with a whimper like game of thrones but if you look at the shows as a whole, the shows that debuted at 2010 um, and shows that really maintained that level of quality, the best show to debut in 2010, in my humble opinion, is Adventure Time. That's right, Adventure Time, Cartoon Network, Finn and Jake, Princess Bubblegum, Marceline, Ice King, the adorable Bemo. Uh, it's some of the most absurd, hilarious, and heartfelt television that I've ever seen. And, and it's one of those rare shows that you can watch with your four-year-old, and they probably won't understand everything, but they'll see the pretty colors and the cool music, and everything's cute and adorable, and, and they will watch it. And then someone that's 35 years old can watch it and really pick up the depth and some of the imagery and, and symbolism and a unique storytelling. And, it, and it's really a, a coming-of-age story of a rambunctious uh, 12-year-old, or uh, I believe when the show begins, 12 or 11 years old, Finn uh, Mertens, which we uh, found out in his magic doll, Jake, who's also his brother, which is kind of weird. And they live in a tree house, and they have pretty much a walking, talking AI gang boy uh, named Bemo who plays games but also is uh, kind of psycho and has multiple personalities. And you have one of the first animated lesbian couples that you find out at in uh, with Princess Bubblegum and Marceline, the vampire queen. And it was just so innovative and so awesome and uh it's sometimes scary the lich was scary uh shot out to uh my guy hellboy the original hellboy ron perlman who played the lich uh it was awesome it was just super awesome they had great musical moments they have uh great uh animation it's funny it will make you laugh it will make you cry uh one of just one of my favorite shows and by far in my opinion the best show to debut in 2010. And and for those who don't know, uh, next year, 2020, which is uh, around the corner, uh, they're going to, on HBO Max, they're going to be bringing the show back. So I'm very, very excited about that. Hopefully keeps the same quality, but uh, by far that show, the humor is so subversive and, you still have your fart jokes that the little kids will laugh and your share of silliness. Uh, but there's also just moments of, of beauty, heart. Uh, the show takes place in the land of Ooh, which you later find out is just post-apocalyptic Earth. And uh, Finn, he's the only human. He lives with his dog slash brother. And the mythology of the show, if you go back and look at season one, which debuted in 2010, and then you look at the final season in 2018, the mythology of the show just grows and expands exponentially 
from that first season. And, and it's awesome to watch that first season because you grow with the characters. The characters age in real time. And it's just epic storytelling. And it's, it's definitely a must-see. It's definitely a, a, something that I truly recommend. So that is it for episode one uh, of, of 2010. And down in the den, uh, episode two, we're going to have some very awesome stuff uh, to get into about the best movies, best video games, best television, whatever I want to talk about. It's my show. It's my world, ladies and gentlemen. But I want to thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, let me know in the comments what your favorite uh, shows of 2010. Go back. It's been a decade of decadence. Go back. Go online. Go through your DVD collection if you still have one of those good luck finding a dvd player but uh go back tell me what your favorite movies of 2010 were tell me uh what movies you thought belong on the list tell us what video games you really enjoyed from 2010 what tv show that debuted in 2010 that you feel get the top spot and if you agree with me awesome um i I would love your feedback Uh, But this is the first episode, and uh, like I said, let me know in the comments what you like, what's your favorites, what what pop culture items you want to talk about on episode two. And please subscribe, tell your friends about, share, and give us a like. Uh, And uh, until next time, deuces.